0: This morning, I want to talk with you about one of the most neglected and most powerful Christian practices you can do to refocus your head, your heart, your hands, really your whole being upon God, and that is the practice of Christian fasting. Fasting, and I want to start up top here with a definition about fasting. And when I'm talking about fasting this morning, here's the definition That I'm really going to be using. Fasting is refraining from food. In order to increase our focus on and fellowship with God. Fasting is refraining from food. In order to increase our focus on and fellowship with God. And so a few notes on this definition as, as we get going this morning. Number one, when I'm talking about fasting. By and large I'm talking about fasting from Food. There are many things you can abstain from, refrain from, fast from. But this morning, we're largely going to be talking about food. Number two, when we're talking about fasting, we're not talking about fasting for health and dietary purposes. But Although that's very in vogue right now, it's very popular. I know we have people in our church who do intermittent fasting and people have lost weight and, and had great results for that. But the purpose of that kind of fasting is for physical health. What we're talking about is fasting for spiritual health. And then the other note I want to just put at the outset as we begin is that if if you're a guest with us or maybe you haven't been in in church your whole life, maybe you just like clicked on Facebook because you're bored this morning, like this is kind of a crazy idea and I'll just say that up front, right? This is a crazy idea in our culture today, fasting from food, intentionally refraining from it. And it's crazy in our culture and I hope you'll stay with us. If you're immediately like, I'm out, right? I'm out. I didn't, you know, you're, you're thinking this is impossible. This is crazy. I mean, this is a crazy idea in our culture because we live in a pleasure-driven, deny-yourself-nothing, instant gratification world today. And so uh, everything in our being pushes back against this idea of fasting. And look, I'm, I grew up in this culture. I'm a product, by and large, of this culture, and so I get it. And so, like, I know the temptations that come after a long and stressful day of work. And now some of you, your temptation might be, hey, you know what? Every night I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to have a nightcap. Maybe I'm just going to binge on Netflix. For me, I just want a little something sweet at the end of the day. That, that's usually mine, like 9 o'clock. I just kind of want a few Oreos, maybe a pint of ice cream. You know, I just want a little something Sweet, and because there's been a lot of tough days this year, right? I've I've had a lot of late-night cravings. And I know this about myself, so I intentionally try not to buy these things because I know I'll go foraging about 9 o'clock p.m. and have to make that decision. But since I I don't buy that stuff anymore much, what happens is at 9 o'clock I have to ask myself the question, do I really want to put on my jacket and brave the cold and drive to Chick-fil-A for a milkshake? at 9, 10 o'clock at night, or do I want to go to cookout? Like, I have to make that decision in my mind. And sometimes it's like, yes, do it. Sometimes it's like, no, deny yourself. It's maybe 50-50 of how it breaks down. And so that's a decision I used to have to make, but now it's actually different because things in our culture are moving in this direction. Now, the apps, they know my habits. And so DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, they just, they just hit me with a push notification saying, hey, treat yourself tonight. Hey, want a little something sweet? And you don't even have to get up from your couch anymore. You can just swipe on the app and you will have the food you want delivered to you. This morning, as I was preparing for worship, I got a text message from Sonic. Now, I don't know how I got on Sonic's text list, but they texted me, right? So all the companies are making it easier and easier to get what we want and when we want it. And some of you, as you're thinking about this, I mean, my mind immediately went to this advertising campaign from Taco Bell a few years ago. Fourth meal, does anybody remember this this campaign? So Taco Bell advertised, it's the meal between dinner and breakfast. It's not food, it's fourth meal. So they they said, you know what, Americans, three large meals isn't enough for them. So let's normalize and formalize the fourth meal and make them feel okay about eating four large meals. Meals. I mean, this is, is the way things are moving, and it's not just with food, right? I mean, we have it with shopping now. We can get what we want when we want it on our apps, and now you can finance pretty much anything, and so you don't even have to have the money to get whatever you want. Sexually in our culture, it's the same way, right? The idea of denying yourself. People say, oh, that's, that's repressive. You can't do that, and in so many other areas, We're pushed to indulge our pleasures, to never deny ourselves, which is why the motto you could say of our culture these days is treat yourself, right? Treat yourself. And so this idea of fasting, intentionally refraining from food, denying those deep cravings and desires is tough and it's kind of crazy. But, But here's the thing, up until about, the last hundred years or so, fasting was a core practice for Christian believers. It's only been in the last hundred years or so that this has kind of faded from churches and it's faded as something that's talked about and emphasized in church. And so in one of the earliest Christian writings, the, what's called the Didache in around the year 100, Beyond Holy Scripture and around the year 100, there was some teaching the church was doing that we have, and it encourages Christians to fast on Wednesdays and on Fridays. Some of you know that in the church's calendar, as they were getting a rhythm of Christmas and Easter, leading up to Easter, those 40 days were called the season of Lent, and traditionally Lent has been a time of fasting in the church's life, and Lent, Lent is coming up, and so maybe this will kind of help you prepare for that journey, before people were baptized for centuries in the church, candidates for baptism fasted before they were baptized. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he wouldn't ordain anybody who didn't practice fasting. And at my ordination, they asked me this question Will you recommend fasting or abstinence both by precept and example? And while I answered yes, and I've, I've taught on it at different times in different settings, in a decade of ministry now, this, I think, is the first sermon I've ever preached on fasting. So I'm not, I'm not coming to you as someone like this is my, my main thing. I actually felt called by God to preach on this. So I think this is the first sermon I preached on fasting growing up in a church. Emily said the same thing was for her experience. She said, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on fasting. I didn't growing up. And you know, people reach out, hey, can we get together? Can we talk about my spiritual life and things going on? Nobody has ever set an appointment and said, I want to learn more about fasting. And I think that's because in our culture, everything is pushing us away from this idea. And because no matter how many times you've fasted, no matter whether if this is brand new or whether this has been part of your Christian practices for a long time, nobody likes to be hungry and to experience hunger pangs. But here's the thing. If you talk to people, and a lot of times they're not advertising, but if you talk to people who fast as part of their Christian disciplines, you will hear over and over again that fasting is one of the most powerful tools and things that, that people do to help them connect, to focus on, and to fellowship with God, You'll hear it over and over again. And so since at least in my experience, this isn't talked about a lot in the church and there's not much guidance. It's just kind of this kind of idea that's out there. You think like weird Christians do this. This morning, I want to I just talk very simply about what fasting is, why Christians do it, and how to begin. And so when it, when it comes to fasting and what it is, I mean, I gave you the definition earlier, but when you look... Throughout the pages of Scripture, what you will find is that fasting is found throughout. You have in the Old Testament, Moses fasting on Mount Sinai without food or water 40 days before he received the law. In Nehemiah, you have God's people fasting as an act of repentance as they're confessing sin. You have Daniel fasting some specific foods and accompanying that By prayer. In Judges, you have God's people fasting as they're seeking his guidance. In the book of Acts, we see Paul and Barnabas fasting as they're beginning to plant churches and commission Christian leaders. And the fast you're probably most familiar with is Jesus' fast. If you don't know about any others, you probably know that before he began his public ministry, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And so we find fasting from really beginning to end in Scripture. And when the Scriptures talk about fasting, every time it's talking about fasting from food. And you won't find a chapter in a verse that gives like, okay, hey, here's exactly what you need to do, these 17 things. We see a lot of diversity when it comes to fasting in the Scriptures. We see people doing different lengths. We see 40 days, and then we see people fasting for one day. We see people fasting together as a group, and we see people fasting personally on their own. We see people doing uh, what you might call a supernatural fast, Jesus and Moses fasting from food and water. I don't recommend. That's where you begin. Uh, We see people doing what you might call a normal fast, fasting from food, but drinking water or fruit juices, things like that, so uh, kind of a solids-only fast. Then you see people doing partial fast, where they, they only fast from specific things in their diet. So we see a lot of different types of fasting when it comes to the Bible, but, but overall there is this assumption that God's people are people who fast. And Jesus actually shared that assumption. And so this morning, we're going to look specifically at a couple of times where Jesus talks about fasting throughout his ministry after he had fasted for 40 days. And one of them comes in Matthew chapter 6, which is where we were looking last week. And here in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about true piety and false piety, kind of good motivations and bad motivations when you're living out your faith. And as he's teaching, he teaches on three core Christian practices. He teaches on giving, giving financially. He teaches on praying, which we talked about last week. And then I don't it's not a top 3, but in the 3 he teaches on, he includes the practice of fasting, which I think is significant. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 16, here's what he says. He says, "When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do." For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Very short little teaching here. But I want to give a few observations. Number one, Jesus says, When you fast. Did you notice that? He says, when you fast, not if you fast. So he he has an assumption here that that his disciples, his followers, are, are going to fast. And then number two, in this short teaching, he basically assumes that things are going to go off the rails when you fast, and that you might not do it for the right reasons or it might get kind of complicated. And this happens with a lot of different spiritual disciplines. We do them for different reasons, different motivations. And here, in Jesus' time, the Pharisees, they fasted two days a week, regularly. And for them, a lot of times, it was an outward display of their piety. And so people would go around looking miserable and being like, oh, I'm fasting, look at me. Oh, It's so tough being close to God, right? They would, they would kind of put on a show. And Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be like them. Instead, when you fast... Did you catch what he said? Comb your hair and wash your face. Now, what he's saying there is, like, look normal. Do your normal daily hygiene routine. Don't intentionally look miserable or just kind of wallow around complaining about everything. He's saying, look, go about your life because when you're fasting, the purpose isn't to put on a show for others so they'll think you're holy. He says, look, God sees your heart. And when you're fasting, your heart should be focused on your heavenly Father, And sometimes people interpret this passage to mean like if you're fasting, you absolutely can't tell anybody, like your, your spouse or family members. But I don't think that's what he's saying here because in the Bible, we see a lot of corporate fasts. What he's saying is when you fast, even if you do it with other people, don't do it for the purpose of putting on a show or for the purpose of a public display. Instead, keep it focused on God. And then if you look in the, in the last verse, verse 18, he says, Your father... Who sees everything will reward you. He will reward you. And and so when it comes to fasting, I mean, he says, look, there are rewards, which you might be thinking that's great because I don't know otherwise why I would fast. It sounds miserable. He says, look, there are rewards, there are benefits to fasting, and, and this is why. Christians have done it throughout the centuries, not because, solely because, you know, scripture implies that we should, although it does, but also because there are spiritual benefits for our souls. And so when it comes to this idea of why Christians fast, Jesus, elsewhere in another teaching, Mark chapter 2, he helps us to see, I think, kind of the key reward, the key reward of fasting. So, Mark chapter 2, verse 18. These words. Now, John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours aren't? And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. So long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. So here, everyone is fasting. The Pharisees, they had a regular practice of fasting. They're fasting. John the Baptist, his followers, they're fasting. Everyone's fasting except for Jesus' followers. And people are are confused. They're thinking, are these people not being faithful? Like, what's the deal, Jesus? What's going on here? And in Jesus' answer, I think we see the key reward to fasting because he basically says, look, while I'm here, present with them, they don't have a need to fast. But once I leave them, once I ascend into heaven and physically leave them on this earth, then they will fast. My friend J.D. Walt, he he said this. He said, what's happening here is that Jesus is explaining that Fasting is about cultivating fellowship. And so when Jesus is face-to-face with the disciples, they they don't need to fast. They have Jesus right there. But once Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit descends, fasting becomes a way of cultivating fellowship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he says, look, once I ascend, my disciples will fast. And so if we go back to that definition, what is fasting? Refraining from food in order to increase our focus on and fellowship with God. And you might think, well, we can fellowship with God through prayer, through, through worship, through scripture reading, and so many other ways. And I think that's true. But just as each of those Christian disciplines help us fellowship and focus on God in a different way, fasting also helps us experience God and his presence and fellowship with him uniquely. And one of the reasons this happens is because fasting involves the whole body. Fasting involves the whole body. And so what happens when we're fasting is when it comes to rewards and the uniquenesses of fellowship, when we're fasting, we we experience a growing dependence on God. A growing dependence. Dependence, you might remember the words Jesus in Matthew, Matthew chapter four, he said this, he said to Satan, when he was tempted, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And and so we, we find that he's saying, look, we're dependent on him. And then when we do eat meals, we're reminded also, okay, every meal is actually a gift from God. Now that we're so separated from our food and agriculture and all this stuff, it's easy to forget that God is sustaining the world and every meal that we do eat is a gift from God. And so we grow in recognition of our dependence on him. As we fast, we also begin to identify with Jesus more and more. As we experience hunger pangs, we begin to identify with his life, his fasting. And we begin to identify more and more with his suffering as well. And when we're fasting we begin to have more compassion on the hungry and the poor in this world who Jesus said, look, when you serve those, I I am with them. The people he loves, we begin to grow in compassion for them. But then also when when we're fasting, another thing that happens is we begin to clearly see the barriers that are up between us and God. And Richard Foster, who... Is, is probably the preeminent scholar on, on Christian disciplines like prayer, scripture reading, all those types of things. He says, he says this about fasting. He says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. We cover up what is inside us with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things surface. See, when I'm fasting and I get that, that craving for cookout, for that milkshake, and I just feel it yearning in with me, I'm more focused on God and I begin to ask that question, why, why do I want this? And you know why I usually want it is, is for comfort. And then I begin thinking, okay, wow, well, I'm relying on this milkshake to give me comfort, comfort which, which God alone can provide for me. When we're fasting, we begin to see, okay, the Holy Spirit has given us a, a spirit of power, a spirit, like we talked about last year, a spirit of self-control. And we, we don't have to say yes to every desire. When, when you're fasting, things might come up in your life like, like anger issues, control issues, and other things like that. But as you're fasting and you're putting your focus on God, you can turn to Him and you can say, God, I, I humbly come to you and I, I repent. Uh, of all the ways that, that I have put up barriers, I have created idols, we're able to repent and, and grow in our fellowship with him, to grow closer to him, to be conformed more into his image. And if you talk with people who fasted, they'll also tell you, you know, as you're, as you're fasting, usually prayer becomes more intimate. God's voice becomes more clear. Guidance oftentimes becomes more obvious to you. And throughout the entire experience, your love for God begins to grow and your experience of God's love for you begins to grow as well. And so, I don't know if I've convinced you that that perhaps you should try fasting yet. But if we think about, okay, what it is and what are some of the benefits, then there, there come very practical questions because... Um, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but my guess is most of you in the room have never fasted. So then it becomes the very practical question, OK, how, how would you even begin? How would you even begin doing this because it is so radical and like there's not,, you know, a lot of like, intuitive guides to it? And you could just, you, know, just stop eating food. Um, but I but oftentimes just think about fasting and beginning that journey as like running a 5K. If you had never run I don't recommend you go out and run a 5K right now. You, you might could do it. Some of you might could do it, but you would be completely miserable at the end of it. And so instead, if you were gonna run a 5K, you wouldn't just start today. Instead, you, you, would, you would kind of research, you, you'd build up, maybe you'd get a training plan. And, and so basically, you, you'd make a plan, you'd start small, and then you would, you would kind of keep your focus on the goal. And I think it's similar with... With fasting, before you begin, you need to make a plan about your fast. And so when it comes to fasting, I want to give some disclaimers here. Because fasting involves the whole body, our our physical health, there are many considerations to take into account up front. For instance, if you're on a lot of medicines, if you have chronic health issues, if you're pregnant, nursing, trying to become pregnant, or, or feel like this might not be good for your health, In any way, first, before you begin fasting, talk with your doctor and and just get their clearance and their ideas. Because some medicines don't do well when you're not on food. So that's one aspect. Talk to your doctor. Another aspect is if you've ever struggled with eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, body image issues, I would encourage you to talk to a counselor before you start fasting. uh, Because otherwise things can easily get off the rails. Or for any other reason, if you feel like, you know what? This, you know, fasting from food, whatever reason is not for me right now, then, then I'd encourage you, like we talked about at the very beginning, maybe fast from, from something else. Refrain from maybe social media for a time period. Uh, maybe it's, it's news constantly. Uh, maybe it's whatever it is for you that you feel like you have unnatural desires for that you might need to let go of a little bit. Identify one of those things and and begin there. So I I would say, first, take into those health considerations and then begin praying to God. God, would you help guide me about fasting? This is a new journey for me. And as you're praying, then begin to decide, okay, what kind of fast am I going to do? Like we said earlier, there is what you might call a normal or traditional fast. No foods, but most people, well, you need to drink water. Um... But then a lot of times people will also drink fruit juices, things like that to help sustain their blood sugar, kind of keep them going, especially if it's going to be longer than a day. So kind of okay, what am I going to fast? Maybe it's a partial fast. You know, it's just going to be some items. You need to begin thinking about what your fast is going to look like. And I want to say, uh, we want to help you on this journey, and so we have a, a Facebook group. It's it's kind of new. It's private, so it's like invite. It's not invite only. You have to request to join, and we have to accept you. But in there this week, we're going we're to put up a question. Hey, if you have any questions about fasting, you need guidance, you want help, invite you to join the Facebook group so we can talk together there and support one another on this journey. It's private, so it's not going to be blasted out to your entire Facebook feed. But it's like if you were running a 5K or training for something important, it can be helpful to have support to have accountability, to have people on the journey with you. And so begin making a plan. And then I would say, start small. Don't just say, I'm going to do a 40-day fast if you've never skipped a meal in your life. Maybe start with one meal. Maybe start with, with two meals. A lot of times if I'm fasting, I'll, I'll eat dinner one night and then not breakfast and lunch but then close the fast with the other dinner, so miss, miss two meals. So like a one-day fast, you could, you could say it's going to be three meals. It, it could be three days eventually, and then slowly work your way up. And now you might be thinking, you know, is it even bodily possible to fast 40 days? Now, humanly possible without water, definitely not. Don't try it. But I do know people, I have mentors in my life who have fasted 40 days juices and and, and other things, supporting them along the way. But that's not something you would start there. And I'm not saying that God is calling everybody to do that. I'm just saying start small and work your way up. And along the way, stay hydrated. And don't eat a huge meal before to like, you know, kind of food stock because it's going to stretch your stomach. And then when you're ending the fast, end it with a small meal as well with fruit juices, cooked vegetables, something light, because otherwise you might, you know, be kind of miserable on the other side of it. So make a plan, start small, and then always remember your goal. And your goal is fellowship with God. You know, if, if you said, okay, I'm gonna run a 5K just for no reason, when you start training, you'll probably think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And you'll probably just quit. And it's similar with fasting. If you think this morning, wow, that sounds cool. That sounds interesting. Huh, that's kind of funny. Like, I'll I'll just try it. But you're not focused on God. When when you begin feeling hungry, you're you're probably going to fade away. And know that if you break a fast and you eat a meal in the middle of it, God's grace is sufficient. You know what? You're going to be okay. But when you are focused on God and fellowship with Him, as you're going throughout your fast and you're, you're feeling hungry, your focus, your desires will be directed towards him. And a lot of times when people are fasting, I encourage them, you know, instead of all the energy, maybe money and prep time you would spend cooking, instead spend that in prayer. Spend that reading scripture Or a lot of times during seasons like Lent, people will actually save the money that they would have spent on their meals and then they give that to the poor. The important thing is to keep your focus on God. And remember, this isn't a tool of manipulation we use on God. This isn't something we do to earn his love or earn his favor or earn his forgiveness. It doesn't work like that. No, instead, this is a a tool to help us put our focus on God. And as we do, what you'll discover is that God's focus is on you. His focus is on you. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he wants to make you more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And fasting is one among many practices that can help you grow in likeness. And so uh, this morning, I I encourage you, begin thinking, praying. It can be scary, just kind of like, I've never done this. This might, I I don't know. Begin praying, saying, God, is this something you're leading me to do in the the days, the weeks ahead? Start small. Keep your focus on God. and know we want to support you with this. So you you can join the Facebook group. We'll we'll talk there. You can reach out with any questions. And uh, we're going to be on this journey. Together, and I would encourage you, especially as we approach Easter and begin looking towards the cross and Jesus's resurrection, to consider making some kind of fast. Maybe it's on a fixed day. Uh, maybe it's it's a day here and there. Making that part of your spiritual disciplines, because I believe God will honor that, and He will meet you as you fast. So let's pray that God would make it so, God. We thank you for your love and for the church. God, we thank you that you haven't left us alone, but that your Holy Spirit comes to us in many different ways. God, for worship this morning, for corporate worship, we thank you because we know that your Holy Spirit meets us here in a unique way. God, for the gift of prayer, we thank you that we can walk with you and we can talk with you and tell you about our lives. God we thank you for all the blessings in our life financially that enable us to, to bless others and God, when it comes to to this idea of fasting, we know our our our, our bones like the core of us pushes back against this idea of denying Ourselves, God, but we remember uh, Jesus Christ who laid down his very life for us. And we thank you for, for this practice. And we pray that as we begin thinking about it, planning, and embarking on perhaps a new thing together, God, we pray that you would meet us, that you would help us to focus on with you, and you'd help us experience fellowship. With you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.